Thanks for downloading this week's Revolution Community Church podcast. We hope you are challenged by this talk and will share it with your family and friends. If this is your first encounter with Revolution, we'll hope you'll come and visit us at our Logansport campus at 3930 East Market Street. Or check us out online at revolutioncc.org. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode at Revolution, where Sundays are a party, where the family gets together, and we're always expecting guests. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 and 6. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living on land in the shadows of the death and light has dawned. For a child is born to us, a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Thank you, guys. Good morning. My name is Katie Scott, and I am so excited to be here um, today speaking to you all, and I have the privilege of opening up our Advent series called Arrival, talking about the birth of Christ and the time leading up to Christ's birth. And I know for some of you, we kind of talked about this earlier, like we're jumping the gun a little bit for your traditionalists on Christmas. Um, and if that's you and you're struggling, we can all be friends on Friday, right? Um, but this is the word that I have for you for today. Yeah, if someone says it's too early to put up Christmas decorations, stop talking to them. You don't need that kind of negativity in your life, right? And I love Christmas. This is my favorite time of year. I love, like, every piece of it. Um, I love corny Christmas, like, Hallmark movies. Does anyone else love those? Has anyone watched one already? I've watched, like, more than one, so it's great. I love Christmas shopping. Christmas time is like the Super Bowl of shopping for those girls and guys that love to shop. Um, who here has already bought a Christmas present? A Christmas present. Like, almost everyone just noticed, okay? Is there anyone here who's, like, completely finished with your Christmas shopping, the MVP. I see a hand. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. Way to go, girl. Um, one of the reasons, like we said, we call this series Arrivals is because the word Advent literally translates as arrival. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to look at people's stories and how they intersect with the arrival of Christ on that silent night 2020-ish years ago. And each week, we're going to have a different family lighting a candle up here for us. Um, and the truth it's going to represent, so that the candle will stand for, and also just how that will impact us today. And I'm excited for this series because Jesus changes everything. More than Christmas songs or presents or the gatherings, whether those are merry for you or kind of awkward, Christmas is the time that we remember that God came near. He became one of us to win us. And I'm so excited to, to hear about how his arrival impacted the real-life people in the Bible, and I think we're going to see ourselves in their portraits. And I hope that we know above all how much God loves each of us individually and how he wants us to be part of this huge story that he's written across all of human history and is still writing today in Logansport, Indiana. Black Friday will be here this week. Yes, Black Friday, when people trample others for cheap goods mere hours after being super thankful for what they already have. 
Yeah. And back in the day when I was, you know, younger, um, I was a Black Friday shopping kind of girl. Like, not sleeping bag and tent on the sidewalk kind of girl, but just like up early with my Starbucks ready to get the deals. And so on Black Friday, if you go into the stores and then you're piling up your cart or your arms with like sweaters for a penny and shoes for a dollar and all the cheap things, and then what do you do next after you've gathered all the things? Yeah, you get in the line. Have you ever seen a Kohl's line on Black Friday? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It snakes all the way around the store and you're probably waiting 45 minutes to an hour, which is why the older, wiser Katie likes Cyber Monday much better. Because as much as I love being out amongst the hustle and bustle of the holidays, I hate waiting. It sucks. And we're kind of super bad at waiting in our country. We don't want to wait in line. We don't want to wait an extra second at a stoplight. We don't want to wait for an app to load. We don't want to wait more than two days for our packages to arrive. And we may not like it, but the reality of life is that we're, we're going to wait. And I think that God often makes us wait. And I think that because we see in the Bible time and time again where God gives a promise, something that's coming in the future, and then there's this long wait until the promise is fulfilled. And because we love Christmas so much, it's the baby in the manger and it's heartwarming and it's tender and we love it, it's super easy for us to fast forward to Jesus' birth and his arrival when he enters the scene. But... There was a lot of waiting between God's first promise of the Messiah and when Jesus actually appeared on the scene. Actually, the first foretelling or prophecy about Jesus coming was clear back in Genesis at the very beginning of the story. Genesis 3.15 says, I, God, will put enmity or hatred between you, the serpent, Satan, and the woman, Eve. And between your offspring and her offspring, he's talking about Jesus there, And he, Jesus, shall bruise your head, and you, Satan, shall bruise his heel. And this is the first time that the good news of Jesus coming is mentioned in the whole of Scripture. God is promising Adam and Eve, ages before Jesus is born, that he's going to send them a rescuer to undo the damage that their sin had done. And throughout the Old Testament storyline, all throughout, there's these sprinklings of these promises and prophecies about Jesus, over 300 of them, things that no one could have known hundreds of years before about Jesus. Things like that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come forth for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times about Jesus was going to be born from a young virgin woman. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. There was also a prophecy about Jesus being born a descendant of King David. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. And he will do what is just and right throughout the land. And then finally, that scripture that Braxton and Katie read, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And God absolutely kept 
every one of those promises. Spoiler alert, Jesus defeated Satan at the cross. He crushed him, but he was bruised in the process. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and his mother was a virgin, and then she and his um, adopted early father were both from King David's line. And the best news of all is that Jesus has brought peace and rescue to all those who believe in and follow him. God absolutely kept every one of those promises. But God didn't keep those promises right away. And in the last week of the Turn the Page series that Pastor Anthony preached back in October, he said this about the prophet Jeremiah in the close of the Old Testament, is that this is no way to end a book unless you know a sequel is coming. And we know the sequel came. We get the gift of hindsight, and we can see Jesus' life and his teaching, and we know. But we often forget that there was 400 years between the close of the Old Testament and when it opens again 400 years later at the time surrounding Jesus' birth. 400 years. And before this, God had been working with Israel and a part of their national history, and there are so, so many stories in the Old Testament about how he did that all through the years. But then the curtain just closes. And it reopens 400 years later, and that's all well and good for us who get to read it in retrospect. And we can fast forward to the action. But today, as we look forward to the arrival of Christmas, I want us to sit with the people of Israel in the waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. Let's allow the silence to get uncomfortable. Let's pretend like we don't know the end of the story because the waiting matters. It matters because we know about waiting. Maybe you're waiting for a spouse. Maybe you have been praying earnestly to God and you're like, God, please send me that person that I'm going to love, honor, and cherish all the rest of my life. But you're still waiting. Maybe you're waiting for your career to take off and you've been waiting for a, a, a promotion or a shift or something, but it's just not coming, and you feel kind of stuck. You're waiting. Maybe you're waiting for a diagnosis to be lifted. You're waiting for healing. Maybe you're waiting for a child to be born or a child to come home. Maybe you're waiting just for a season to be over, like the season just feels long, and you just like it to be done, please. We're waiting for God to intervene. There's a promise, and there's waiting. And sometimes for us, when we're in the waiting, it can feel like 400 years. So just for some perspective about 400 years, okay? We're almost to 2020. We're almost there. And does anyone know what took place like 400 years ago in the year 1620? Does that ring any bells for anyone? 1620. You didn't know you were coming to history class today. Okay, um, it's coming up this week. That's kind of like a hint. No? Okay, so in 1620, the um, pilgrims first landed on Plymouth Rock. 1620. That's how long of a span we are talking about. Think if you transported a poor sweet pilgrim to modern-day America. They would recognize nothing. 
Okay, the landscape, think about the landscape of this land, how it has changed. Indiana, 400 years ago, did not look like it does today. It was not farmland. No way. Think about technology. I was thinking about this, like they came over in that little boat, and then when they were like wanting to send, like we would today send a text and be like, hey mom, I made it. Um, and they had to send a letter back like months to be like, hey guys, we made it. Like, we didn't die. <laughs> um, when you think about medical, how much medical technology has changed. Like breaking medical technology in 1620 was leeches, bugs on your skin. That was where they were. That was 1600 years, or 400 years in 1620. And a lot can happen in 400 years. And a lot did happen in the 400 years for the people of Israel. Unfortunately, they were not just going about their lives in peace and safety and prosperity. During those 400 years, there were actually not one, but two occupations by invading empires, their enemies. Both the Greeks and the Romans invaded Israel during that 400 years. There was massive catastrophic loss of life, destruction, blatant desecration of God and his people, his servants. The people of Israel were forced to pay taxes to this wicked and corrupt regime that occupied them. They weren't free. Greece and Rome had the final say about how they worshipped, who governed them, if they lived or died. The waiting sucked. And please hear this about this time period, too. I think this is important that we know that there were times in Israel's history where they went astray and they followed idols and they disobeyed God. And because of that, God's caused, as a disciplinary measure, enemies to come in. Okay, that happened. That was not this people group. As a whole, as a nation, they followed God. They followed his decrees. They followed his laws. They weren't perfect. But as a whole, they followed God. And some of them lived their entire lives, entire generations, waiting, waiting for God to do what he promised. And the waiting matters. And I think what we do in the time between the promise and the fulfillment is huge. What do we do when God is silent? What do we do when a promise seems unfulfilled? What is the truth when we are in a season of waiting? And we're going to look in the scripture and we're going to see that today. The first thing that I want you to hear about the waiting today is that God is working in the waiting. Galatians 4.4 says, but read this with me, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. God was working in the waiting. There were pieces that had to be put in place over those 400 years for the gospel to go out. Think about the Roman road system. The Romans built roads, and those were going to be the avenues that the good news of Jesus would go out on. The Greeks imposed a common language on their empire, but that made it really easy to tell the people down the road about the good things that Jesus had done. During this time, we also see the rise of the Jewish synagogue. Because of their persecution, they began to meet in small local communities to learn and worship together, which is the model we still follow to this day for our church gatherings. There had to be a foreign ruler who sent a decree that said, hey, let's gather for a census 
There had to be just the right young woman ready to receive the call that God would put on her life to bear Jesus Christ. And we're going to hear her story too. It's going to be good. God was working in the waiting. And God's working in your waiting. The second truth I want you to hear about a season of waiting is this, that God keeps all his promises in time. I love Amazon Prime so much. So I have three young children. They are ages five, three, and two. So let's say, for example, I need to go buy them a Christmas present. They're going to buy it for their grandparents. So to do that, I've got to, like, make sure everyone has, like, pants on, you know, and then, like, socks and shoes and then coats and then hats and then gloves. And then I've got to herd these little cats, you know, into the van, and then I've got to get them in there. I've got to get them all buckled. Then we drive to the store, and then at the store, I've got to get them all unbuckled and, like, into the cart in a parking lot full of people in a hurry, and I'm trying, you know, not to lose anyone or anyone get squashed like a bug, you know, out there. And then we finally get all together, and we go in the store, which is at this season a minefield of things that will make my kids scream. You know what I mean? Like they want this, and they want oh, some candy. and <laughs> So Amazon Prime is a gift to me this Christmas season, because all I have to do is open my app on my phone, and I add it to my cart. Two days later, I open the door, I'm in my slippers, I pick up a box, and it's here. It's amazing. God is not Amazon Prime. God is not Amazon Prime. He doesn't operate on a two-day shipping guarantee. His way is not always fast. It's not always easy. He operates on a timeline that we can't even begin to comprehend sometimes. Second Peter says this, the Lord, read this with me, is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God keeps his promises to us in time. We can't hurry his pace, but we can trust his heart. And now this third truth I want to move us into about the period of waiting is kind of hard, but I think, I think we need to hear it. And it's this, that God didn't promise you the American dream. And we may be waiting for something that God did not, in fact, say he was going to give us right? We may be waiting for um, the picket fence and a caring, loving, faithful spouse and 1.5 kids and a three-car garage and enough money in our bank account to cover all the Amazon Prime purchases we could ever want. And we want peace in our times and we want long life and health for us and all those we love. But we've confused God's promises with the American dream. And back in the summer, Joel Larison um, gave a talk in our Who Needs God series. Called, it's called Gods of the No Testament. If this is a sticking point for you and you're like, mm, I do not like that, that would be a great sermon to you go back and listen to because it's important for us to know that his promise to us isn't health or wealth or a human relationship. His promise to us is so much better because it's Jesus. Right? God promises 
His promise to you is that he will be a wonderful counselor, that he's going to counsel you and guide you through every situation in your life. His promise to you is that he is almighty God. He is strong enough to carry you, to carry your burdens. He's strong enough to infuse you with strength. He's an everlasting father who's going to love you unconditionally and sacrificially. His promise to us is being a prince of peace who's going to hold us and carry us and calm us through whatever storm and whatever waiting season we may be in. And so this next sweet, sweet truth I want you to hear about the waiting season is this. That there is purpose in the waiting. We're going to turn to Psalm 41 to 3 and read this together. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. Right? He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. God hears your cries in the waiting. God's ready to walk with you in the waiting. I love that picture of us being down in the mud and the mire because when we're down there and God reaches down for us, he's got to grab us around. He's going to pull us up and we're going to be heart to heart with our Father God as he pulls us out of the mud and that he steadies us as he walks along. He's hands on our shoulders, his hands in our hands, hovering as we walk through the waiting. And that's so beautiful. Craig Rochelle says, a waiting season is not a wasted season. And our seasons of waiting on God's promises aren't wasted if, because of those seasons, we know and love God more deeply. God wants to meet us. He wants to teach us, become our best friend and true confidant through the waiting seasons. And we are um, coming up on Christmas, which is a time and season of giving gifts. My five-year-old this past week told me what she wanted for Christmas. Um, Her truest wish for Christmas is that she would receive a talking unicorn that she can ride on. Yeah, good, great, perfect. (laughs) We're going to text Santa about that one. Um, And of course, my young children, our kids are young, and so they're really all about Christmas. It's all about the presents to them. They're really concerned of giving gifts and getting gifts, and we're trying to redirect their eyes to Jesus and the baby Jesus and thankfulness and all those good things. But they're young, so the presents are really appealing, and that's okay, because they're immature, and, and we understand. But as we get older and we gain maturity, like even right now where I am in my life, you know, with my brothers and sisters and even sometimes your spouse, you don't necessarily give gifts as much anymore. That's not the highlight Um, What we really want for Christmas is to spend time with a grandparent, maybe to see your brother that lives far away, or sit down and just have dinner with a beloved aunt. Waiting is a tool 
that God uses to grow us up as followers of Jesus and helps us to learn to cherish God himself more than just the gifts he gives. Waiting deepens our relationship and our love for God. And that's one of the purposes that God has in waiting. If we go back and we look at this um, Psalm 40 in the last verse, it says, um, we see that because of our waiting, we have a new song to sing because of God's goodness. And because of our waiting, we have a new testimony to share that will inspire others to put their faith in God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. I love that so much. And I asked this week on social media for friends of mine to share their waiting stories. Because I think it's important that we know that other people have waited and are waiting too. And more than just what they were waiting for or what they're waiting on now, I was really listening to hear that new song that they're singing because of their waiting season. Some of you already know Braxton and Heather Van Arsdale's story of waiting for healing for Braxton when he was in kidney failure. And Heather said this about their waiting season. She said, despite how long and hard it was, I always felt God right there in the waiting. And Lauren and Drew Michael's story, waiting for five years for God to bless them with another child through miscarriages and surgeries and IVF. And Lauren said this, she said, our marriage, faith, and everything in between was tested. But we chose to, test, we chose to trust his time, not ours. And we were blessed finally with our sweet Gracie girl. And there's, that's a story that I'm so thankful that God has seen over so many lives. And Jenna said, I'm still in the waiting. I don't know why God has asked us to be so patient, but I'm hopeful. And my friend Sarah said, I don't know what my waiting season is ultimately bringing me. I'm still in it. But I can see that so far, it has brought me a greater awareness of others, a fierce compassion for those who hurt or grieve, the capacity and desire to sit with others in hard things, daily conversations with my Heavenly Father that keep us close and connected. And I thought of my own life in faith and how my faith was so shaped. Um, when I was a young teenager, my grandmother was in her late 50s and she was diagnosed with lymphatic cancer. And we prayed and we waited for five years. And she was in remission and then she wasn't anymore. And God healed her by taking her home to heaven. And I learned so much. My faith was grown by her testimony and her song that the giver of the good gifts was so much better than any gift that he could have ever given. There is purpose in the waiting. We know God more fully, and our story gets to inspire others to trust him more. So what do we do when God is silent? We believe that God is working in the waiting. We're going to hold that. And what do we do when a promise seems unfulfilled? We trust that God keeps all his promises in time. And we're careful that we're not holding on to something that he hasn't promised us. And what is the truth when we are in a season of waiting? 
is that God wants to meet us in the waiting. He wants to grow us through it and use that waiting to inspire others to trust in him. We don't have to endure the waiting. We can embrace it. Knowing that God loves us so fully, we can live expectantly knowing that he's going to keep all of his promises to us. I love, um, like Psalm 40, verse 1, it says, He heard my cry. As uh, Katie and I were working together to to not only bring this talk together, but this this whole this whole flow of things we've done today, the music and everything. Um, we were we were praying for you guys in our church and our community, and um, we decided it would be great to maybe and just a little differently. So, um, you know, one thing that we talk about is this idea that we're better together. That that when we come together as a family, we we can encourage one another, we can hold each other accountable, we can walk together. And, and just like she said, um, you know, he's given me a new song to sing. There's so much power in your story. God is writing his story in you and in your life. And so there are some of you in this room today that have been through a season of waiting and have been able to come out the other side and can now testify to what God has done in your life, in you and through you. And so um, I would encourage you on our website, we have a, a, a way for you to share those stories, revolutioncc.org slash stories. Consider sharing your story to, to encourage someone else. But, but today I'd like to ask you to take a bold step. If you've, if you've been through a season of waiting like that, and again, have been able to come out on the other side, would you just, would you take a stand right now? Would you stand up? So remain standing for just a moment. These are incredible testaments right here to God's power in our lives. But remain standing because some of you who are not standing right now are going through a season of waiting right now. And it sucks. And you just wish someone, maybe you had someone to talk to about it or someone to pray with you. Well, friends, these people who are standing right now, I'm just going to speak on their behalf. They would love to talk to you. They would love to pray with you. So look around. Because you know these people. This is our family. Thank you, guys. And like I said, I know some of you are in this room. You're in a season of waiting right now. And so we wanted to just do one thing real quick. Um, in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. We're going to, to proclaim the goodness of God. Because we can do that in all seasons. We can proclaim and give praise to God for who he is good. But as we sing the song, our prayer room is going to be open and be available. As we say every single week, and I mean it, we are honored to pray with you, to walk alongside with you, to cry with you, to talk with you, to hug you, because we're better together. So that's going to be available, but if you feel like you're in a season of waiting right now, I'd like to ask you to take a a bold, courageous step and to stand right now, because we want to pray over you. We want to claim God's promise over your life. So if that's you, would you stand? If you want to stretch out a hand, maybe if someone's close to you, it's in that waiting season. I'm going to read this verse and proclaim it over you and over your life. I am still confident of this, that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the lands of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. 
And God, we know today that you are Emmanuel, you are God with us. And you keep all of your promises in time, God. God, I pray for those standing here today that you would give them courage as they wait, that you would give them patience as they wait, that you would be so close to them, so near to them, you would feel your arms wrapped tight around them as you lift them up and out. God, I pray we don't waste our waiting. I pray, God, we don't waste it looking at your gifts and we miss you, the giver of every good thing that wants to meet with us in the waiting. And we know, God, you gave us the best gift in Jesus. You're in the waiting, Father. We pray you would move in this room, move in these circumstances, God. We pray more than anything that you would move in our hearts and move us close to you, Father. We will worship you. 